The Choose Love movement offers no-cost solutions that keep our kids safe, providing them with the skills and tools they need to flourish. Join us in our mission to create the world we want to live in, one that's connected and compassionate. Check us out at chooselovemovement.org. Together, we can choose love. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Choose Love podcast. We have a very special session today with Garrett Lavalley from the Spalding Center. And we are going to just talk with him about his experience with Choose Love, what they do at Spalding, what his personal experience has been, as well as their use of the lessons and just kind of get to know Spalding and, and everything about what your life is like there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, very excited to be on the program and, and to talk with you guys and share everything that's going on at Spalding. Um, a little bit of background. I'm the principal and special education director here at Spalding, and I've been here for 23 years. Um, funny fact, my parents met here. My dad worked here for 44 years. So I grew oh, up. Oh, wow. Yeah, pretty wild. <laughs> Um, so followed in my dad's footsteps and just going into social services and wanting to help children in need. Um, my, my childhood, we grew up with kids kind of without homes who would come and stay with us for vacation weeks or, um, I come to work with my dad and, and, you know, hang out with the children that lived here. And, uh, so just kind of grew up in this nonprofit world and, um, kind of found my passion in life. Spalding is, a, is a, an amazing place. So Spalding Academy and Family Services started um, after the Civil War to take in orphans um, who for, for, you know, families that didn't return home. And so since then, it's 152 years now we've been serving children um, in the state of New Hampshire. So uh, we have children from four to 21 years of age that really run the spectrum of disabilities. I think uh, one of the common themes that kind of unites all of our children is they've all experienced adverse childhood experiences. Um, children who have dealt with abuse and neglect, um, whether it's sexual or physical or emotional abuse, um, and families just in need of help. So uh, right now in our school, we serve 69 children in, in our residential department, we have, I think in the mid fifties with about 20 something children who go to public school and they just live here because this is a safe place for them to be. And for, for some of them, for their families to get the supports and the services that are necessary for them to return home or to go to a less restrictive setting or to a foster family or sometimes, you know, when children get adopted. So uh, it's a pretty wonderful place and uh, I don't know, kind of dear to my heart and following on in my father's footsteps here. That is an amazing legacy, Garrett. Wow. Yeah, thank you. I'm pretty, pretty proud of what we do here. That's incredible. So you're dealing with a lot of really difficult situations. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting. So last April, actually April 1st last year, um, I, I moved into the principal and special education director role here at Spalding. And I had taught here for a long time. Um, this is actually the only career or, or place I've ever worked other than, you know, being 16 years old washing dishes. <laughs> so uh, after being a teacher and a paraprofessional here, um, and then I was the assistant principal, what I, what I realized was over the years, 
um, when I taught, it was not, you know, academics are important, but children need to feel safe and loved and nurtured in order to ac access their academics. So last year when I took over, one of the first things we did was really look at, um, you know, our students' behaviors and, and why are they having such a difficult time. And it's really easy just to look at behavior and say, you know, children are being willingly or willful disobedience or they are just being bad. And, and I just don't believe that. And I don't want our staff to believe that. And I don't want us to have that philosophy. So we became detectives, right? You start looking at behavior and children's traumatic experiences and being a trauma-informed center of what trauma or what's happened in that kid's life that's leading them to this behavior. So, so to start off with what we did was we just started kind of trickling in choose love language and we started with courage. And for me, it's courageous for our children to even get out of bed and come to school every day, right? Because mm -hmm. I really look for those little glimmers of hope or those little achievements. Not everything is the big bang. It, it's just coming to school, being courageous enough to walk through that front door. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you got fed last night. I don't know if you're homeless, I don't know where you were sleeping, but you came in and, and you're ready to learn. Mm -hmm. So dripping in that, that terminology or, you know, courage talk, courage, that's, you know, you're courageous, you tried a new vegetable and people look at me like I had three heads, mm -hmm. you know, but for a child that's used to eating hot dogs and macaroni and cheese to try <laughs> broccoli, they were courageous. Mm -hmm. So really just overemphasizing it. And, and initially there was pushback um, because we had launched Choose Love before, but then COVID hit and the world just went to a different place. So mm -hmm. coming back, you know, we're like, we're doing this again. And staff were hesitant, you, you know, to move forward with it. But that's changed because, you know, the first four months, what we did was just drip in the, the, the language of choose love in our champions group that we started started with maybe five people and three months later we had close to 40 volunteers you know on a bi-weekly basis that were getting together to talk about choose love and learn about social emotional learning that's incredible yeah it, it really was incredible the 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 atmosphere and the energy in the shift just by talking about love you know, because we came up with our own our own vision statement, you know, or and it's everybody deserves to love and to be loved. And that's not just our children, that's our staff. Um, and we treat our staff with the same respect and growth mindset that we treat our children because we're all growing and we're all learning and we're all healing. And, and we say that frequently within our halls. Um, <clears throat> but you know, we only have 70 something employees. So more than half of our staff by the end of the champion group were participating. And then we launched on September 6th with a, um, a big tie dye party and we made tie dye choose love t-shirts and we kicked the year off and it just has been amazing since, um, the buy-in and just the healing that's taking place has been quite incredible. Um, and again, I can't repeat enough. It's not just about the children. It's about our staff as well. Um, a lot of places you hear are student centered. And I like to say we're human centered because I care just 
as much about my staff as I do about just all humans, you know? So having staff in my office talking about their personal stuff and talking about social, through a social emotional lens of, you know, were you self-aware? How did you manage your behavior? Did you make responsible decisions? Were you aware of the social situation? Um, we're using that language and I'm using it from a super, supervisory standpoint. Staff are doing it with one another and, um, and they're doing it with our children. And it's just been stupendous to see the cultural shift and the growth that, that's taken place um, in the last year. That's incredible. You know, and, and it's in a tough situation, right? Yeah. You have kids that are suffering, that are traumatized. And the interesting thing is, maybe it's, it's, it's coincidental maybe, but the research, some of the research that was done on the Choose Love movement was done in a residential, two residential facilities in Arkansas. And these are kindergarten through 12th grade kids. They are living at the facility and they cannot uh, go home. They, they can't uh, be mainstreamed because of behavioral issues. So they're there. And one of the facilities had just had a big change in staff. And when they started to do this research there, the staff was really resistant. They said, this is not the right time to do this. And I understand that actually, mm -hmm. you know, we just had a big turnover. We're just trying to assimilate, but they did it and they had incredible results because this is all about change and, and flexibility and showing up with your best foot forward and literally thoughtfully responding with love in every situation. And so both places had uh, really great outcomes, but uh, even, even that one that kind of started off a little tough with some resistance, they actually really rose to the occasion and found that it was beneficial too. Yeah. Yeah, it, I don't ever think there's a right time for change, right? Change is hard. It's scary, um, but you, you need to be brave. And we just kept saying that. We need to have the courage. Like our children have the courage at, at Spalding to heal from just the most horrific stories. As adults, we can have the courage to try to do something to show more love and compassion and empathy and, and kindness to help them heal. So if we're asking them to do something courageous, then we need to have the same level of courage. So, so for us, it was, as a principal, I, I would never ask my staff to do anything I won't do myself. So one of the first things we did was change our schedule. So every morning for an hour, we teach Choose Love. Mm. We, do, we do yoga. Um, we, we do healthy, you know, exercise. We... Um, Right now, we're working on forgiveness. Um, so, you know, we're talking with children about who would you forgive. And, you know, we have children in front of a group of people talking about forgiving their sibling because they got adopted and they were upset that they were gone. Mm. You know, and that's to start your school day. But the fact that the children feel safe enough to do that, it just it speaks volumes to the Choose Love curriculum and creating an environment that's nurturing and safe to take safe chances, to share your feelings, to have the courage to put yourself out there. And on top of that, in changing our schedule, what we did 
was every administrator in our school, every specialist, our gym teacher, art teacher, librarian, our BCBAs, our speech pathologist, OT, PT, um, they all go to Choose Love every morning. Everybody that works in our school goes to a classroom every morning and participates in Choose Love. We all have our Choose Love journals. We all participate in, in the, the brain blasts. We all we participate in every part of it because again, this isn't just about the children, this is about us as a community, as a Spalding family. So <clears throat> back to the change thing, it's just, I think one of the things that made us successful is that we just jumped in and we said, we're doing it. And, and for four months, it was just volunteers. And then September 6th hit and I said, this is non-negotiable. If you can't choose love, what are we doing working with children? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that question really got a lot of people thinking and uh, no one left. No, no one was scared off. Um, but, you know, you say that, but I think that that's a consideration as a leader. You know that there are going to be people that resist. And I see a lot of times that it doesn't happen because the leadership just doesn't want to force things on someone, wants them to be part of the decision making, but knows that there's going to be resistance. Resistance requires energy from the leader to face that. And sometimes they just don't want to do it. So, so what were kind of the outcomes that you saw from your staff when you made that courageous decision to, you know, we're just going to do this? Yeah. You know, it was interesting because we had you know, a third of our teachers completely on board, a third of the teachers were in the middle and a third that were like, this is going to be one of those things that goes away in a year. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think, I think a big part of it was having, you know, administration and everybody there to say, hey, we're all doing it together. And I'm not sure how it's going to work either, but we're on this mission together. Um, I, I'll joke about it, but, you know, we had our winter carnival choose love carnival and and we had the love bus and i was like joke like get on the bus because we're going um the the you hit on a really good point though it's it's the collaboration and shared decision making i wasn't upset with staff because they were scared i wasn't upset with staff that they were pushing back i couldn't say i'm choosing love and be upset with a staff member that's like ah oh, it's just gonna go away that's okay you know, but what I need to do is work with you to show you, you know, the path and stick with you and in, in, in show you that this is possible. Um, you know, we had some people that were hesitant because of our neurodivergent population. You know, how do you teach a nonverbal child with a communication device, you know, how to do brave breaths? Three months in, we have a parent giving us a phone call saying, my son's doing this really strange thing at home. He's holding his chest. And he's holding his belly. And when he's upset, he's doing big breaths. What is this? And we're like, that's choose love. So it went from a, a, a teacher or a parent saying, we can't do this with neurodivergent children, to us sitting in a town hall meeting saying, listen to this story about this young man at home practicing brave breath, generalizing the skills. So the proof is in the pudding, right? We started to see these little moments of, of growth in the generalization of these skills all throughout the school regardless of developmental level so the pushback i think a big part of it wasn't fighting it mm -hmm. it was that it's okay we're all entitled to our opinion 
you know, we weren't going to be negative. We weren't going to say hurtful things. We were going to be mutually respectful, but we were going to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And we had to try. And if you were trying, then I honored that. Mm -hmm. And it didn't take long for people to be like, wow, you know, this is, this is powerful. This is pretty incredible. Um, powerful within themselves and also with their students. Absolutely. And that's something, she, uh, Scarlett, we didn't even think about in regards to um, the effect that would have on staff, because sometimes people who come and work in this field have their own traumas. We all have our stuff, right? Like I have a saying, we're all perfectly imperfect. <laughs> and the beauty of it has been the number of staff that have come in my office and said, like, I have a better relationship with my mother-in-law. You know, for me, I'm more patient now with my two little boys at home where I'll go for a walk and take a brave breath instead of being reactive. And I share those stories. So we end meetings with adults sharing their own growth in social emotional learning and choose love. Um, because again, we're not student centered or human centered. And this is a, this is a group effort. And that ties in too to the, to get back to decision-making and me not dictating. Um, we truly have a shared decision-making process. We involve children in our hiring process. Our children, even our nonverbal children, they interview potential teachers and paraprofessionals. Um, they have a voice. Um, I wanna empower them. Our staff have a voice. They're a part of our hiring process and, and intake of students. Um, and when staff speak, I listen. And mm -hmm. so there were times during the implementation process where say things were hectic that week, I said, we're not going to have a meeting. You guys are tired. Like, it's, it's okay. We'll get to it next week. It's not going anywhere. So it's all right. So by having that shared vision and shared decision-making, that trust was built. You know, mm -hmm. I think that we're in here, we're in this together and that he is going to listen and administration is going to listen and they are going to hear me because we have made changes based on staff feedback and children's feedback. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like uh, it ushered in a culture of psychological safety where the staff it feels comfortable telling you that they're tired and that they need a break and, and, and other things as well. And that's that's what you want. That's the ultimate in culture. Correct. Yeah, yeah, it really is. That's amazing. So I actually have, uh, and I know that we had spoken about this before, but I wanted to bring it up too. We have some statistics that were done with uh, Audrey Donahue, who was the clinical coordinator at Spalding mm -hmm. Academy. And she implemented the Choose Love curriculum in June, 2020. Mm -hmm. She completed the first round, she said, by February 2021, and she has some really incredible outcomes that I wanted to read on this podcast. Um, in June 2020, there were 84 aggressions per week. February 2021, less than five aggressions per week after choosing love. June 2020, 8% of her day was aggressions. In February 2021, 1% of her day was spent on dealing with aggressions. Uh, in June 2020, 55 verbal aggressions per week. And then in February 2021, two verbal aggressions per week. There were 19 physical aggressions per week. And then there became zero physical aggressions per week, 105 physical aggressions per week in another student, and then less than one. 
And then in June 2020, there were 32 minutes per day of appropriate peer play. And in 2021, that became 67 minutes of appropriate play per day. So she found some really incredible results and documented them as well. Yeah, Ashley is an incredibly talented uh, clinician. And she's one of those people that really uh, embraces choose love and the values of it. And what I can say is when Ashley, you know, did that work in, in the introduction of choose love, it goes back to psychological safety, you know, for children that have come from a place, you know, where things aren't safe, um, to have that nurturing environment where, you know, acknowledgement of feelings in, in, uh, the ability to talk about what's going on and, and be aware of where you're at in the world and, and what your feelings are like creates an environment where there should be less aggressions. There should be, um, you know, less restraints, less seclusion. All of the, all of the things we work so hard to, to not have happen, you know, um, I, it's interesting data right now. So in June, we'll have the data for an entire school year, which I really look, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you guys um, to look at behavioral outcomes, students' progress on their IEP goals, what percentage of our students mastered their goals, reduction in restraints, um, and uh, the student surveys and where they're at, where they're at reflecting on their own um, growth over over the last year i mean this is this is a difficult population to work with but also for staff it's got to be a lot to show up every day and you know the stories so you know it's kind of interesting as well with what choose love teaches i've heard in the education as well as medical field that there is a lot of well what is erroneously called compassion burnout what is really empathy burnout and fatigue but when you study compassion and you understand that it is actually the identification of a need within yourself or someone else and then the action to help resolve that need and you look at the research you know that that is empowering. It is actually energizing and motivating. And all of everything that you give out, I say the nurturing, healing love, you get back. It helps and heals yourself. I know that from being, you know, founding this mission and going out and, and sharing. It, it only helps and heals me. Do you think that that's what your staff has been experiencing by choosing love with their students? Yeah, I, I think it's been the the voyage that we've all been on together of healing. You know, talking about it in the beginning where it's really odd for a principal to say, my main focus is healing. My main focus is social-emotional learning. Academics will come because if the children aren't in a place to learn and you're not in a place to teach, it's it's irrelevant, you mm -hmm. know? Um, our kids aren't placed with us because they're not reading on grade level. Our kids are placed with us because they're hurting little kiddos. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's our job to help them heal. So having this tool along with some of the other trainings that we do to, to be a trauma-informed center, it shines a light on the power of our jobs. I, I, I truly think that 
working at Spalding and working with the children we serve is, is the greatest gift in the world. Um, I'm humbled every day by our children. And I think our staff are too. You know, you, you take a child who's been confined to a bedroom and, and has a mattress and a cardboard box, and that's what they have in their life. And then they come to school and you choose love with them and they choose to give you a hug mm. and they choose to sit in your lap during story time. You know, and that's when you get staff members that come in your office with tears in their eyes being like, you wouldn't believe what happened today. And I'm like, tell me, this is amazing. Uh, and those little miracles happen on a daily basis. So I think what Choose Love, it's, it's deepened the connection that we have with our children because, um, you know, to start with courage and the courage to start Choose Love and put yourself out there. You again back to psychological safety mm -hmm. our kids need psychological physical safety they need they need to feel like there's no judgment and that i'm not judging them if they're having a bad day or our staff aren't um i'm not upset with you i could be tired and i could be exhausted from dealing with this situation but i still love you and i'm still here to care for you mm -hmm. um that the choose love curriculum and the social emotional learning i think has created a greater depth to the relationships because you're communicating on so many different levels, you know, an emotional intelligence of our staff is, is increasing in complexity because again, it's really easy to look at a behavior and say, you know, well, they just are, you know, being naughty or, you know, did they eat breakfast? Did they get fed last night? You know, is the family okay? Are they upset? Is there a peer conflict or, or what skill deficit might they have? When you start to look at it through those lenses, behavior in, in the tough days start to feel a little bit differently because it's not personal. It's that child's hurting and they don't know how to express themselves. And that's our job to help them. And that's our ultimate goal because that's what's gonna make you be a successful part of society. It's that thoughtful response with love. It's it's choosing love and it's it's asking what happened to you rather than looking at a situation and saying what's wrong with you. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I agree. That's really beautiful. Can you share with our listeners a few of the ways that you all are choosing love that might be a little unique, different implements that you've put in and, and sure. ways that you incorporate this throughout the day. You say that this is how you start your days, which is a yeah. great way to start your day, but how you keep it going and make it really more as a lifestyle as yeah. uh, that, you know, a curriculum that you take off the shelf, open and then close and put up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to start off with, we start our day with choose love, but before that even happens, we have a whole greeting group at the front of our school, mm. um, that has, you know, positive things to say to every child that walks through our front door. We have secret handshakes, we have hugs, we have laughter. Um, we just built a hopscotch rug <laughs> and on that hopscotch rug, it says community, courage, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, gratitude, uh, inclusion, self-regulation, mindfulness, choose love, and then have a lot of fun. Oh, I and love it. It's beautiful. It's <laughs> awesome. Every morning I get to watch not just our children, but our staff as well, hopscotch through the hallway. Ah. And, and it's, 
It's wonderful. It's a visual reminder, but you know, one extension activity, for example, is I mean, we'll hopscotch with the kids and we'll stop on gratitude and be like, what are you thankful for today? You know, and they're like, uh, I'm thankful that we got 10 minutes of extra recess. And you're like, great, that's fantastic. Let's keep going. Or um, and whenever we're dealing with, you know, a child who might be struggling, using the words, you know, from choose love to address behaviors or reflect on behaviors or process behavior um, has been incredibly helpful too, because it's safe language. It's mm -hmm. not, there's nothing um, scary about courage or gratitude or forgiveness or compassion in action. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, well, how can, if you're frustrated with that person, either how can you forgive them or how can you show compassion, you know, for where they're at right now. And perspective taking is really hard for kids that, have been in the, the situations that our children have been in, but they do it and then they show it. So mm -hmm. challenging them in that way, um, in our hallways, when you walk down, uh, after you enter the school, sorry, kids are hopscotching, I'm distracted. <laughs> I love yeah. that. <laughs> when you walk down our hall, there's a big bulletin board that says mirror, mirror on the wall, there is forgiveness in us all. Mm -hmm. And we have a bunch of mirrors in the hall um, the children in the classroom have self-affirmation stations where they say something positive about themselves um, in the morning, in the afternoon, to begin the day and to end the day. Um, <clears throat> we have events. So we just had the Choose Love, you know, Winter Carnival. We're going to have a Choose Love Field Day in June. Um, we do ice cream parties. Um, again, it, to some, it might be taking away from academic time, but for me, it's building that community in that loving, nurturing environment so that the children are able to access their academics. It's just a little bit of a shift. Um, and research shows that when kids get these skills and tools and they're embraced and practiced on a regular basis, that the academics come, attendance yeah. is higher, graduation rates are higher. So it helps in every aspect of the child's life. Absolutely, yeah. The, you know, you'll walk by a classroom, you know, in the middle of the day and they'll be having like a choose love dance party. And it'll just be a bunch of like second through fourth graders dancing, you know, for 10 minutes, getting their energy up. But whatever activities we're doing are linked to the choose love curriculum into social emotional learning and the neuroscience you know that supports mm -hmm. this program um we we're just all in you know in, in everything we're doing we're looking for new ways and in a lot of ways after covid we got the gift of starting fresh you know because i i got to start over mm -hmm. and from that we were able to build you know, a school that has has this everywhere. It's hung on every bulletin board. All of our administrators' doors have the four ingredient posters plastered mm -hmm. on them. Um, it we've we've included it everywhere. Another cool thing we've done too to kind of go outside of the morning is we've created buddy classes where we take classes and we partner them together uh, for children and staff to form new relationships. Mm. And those staff work together uh, four or five days a week and children get to visit other classes. Uh, there's mentoring opportunities in that. 
There's opportunities for staff to meet people that they might not work with on a daily basis. Um, but they do choose love activities together as well. In fact, a couple of them are going to be doing their science fair together. So we'll have a group of high schoolers partnering with a group of kindergarten to third graders to do a science fair project for, for our science fair next week. But that all came from Choose Love. They do it in art class. Um, in library, we read books about love. So we're doing it cross-curricularly because it can't just exist for 60 minutes a day. It's a lifestyle. It's it's a it's the it's the energy of our school. It's it's the the fuel. You know, it's what keeps us going. Love. Yeah. <laughs> and the yeah. and the powerful understanding that we have that choice. Yes. Ah, that is so beautiful. Uh, I I really appreciate you coming on the Choose Love podcast and sharing your experience. I wonder if we could even do a part two in June when you have all of your stats just to, uh, you know, go over those and see what you've learned and um, share with other people. Because this is, you know, this is a movement. It's by word of mouth and referral. And so people are listening in. People are desperate for solutions. And uh, this is this is a powerful one. And we just want to spread the message. Absolutely. Sounds like fun. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, I've had a lot of fun with you today. I really appreciate it. Garrett Lavali from the Spalding Rehabilitation Center and Academy. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your experience with Choose Love. My pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's all part of us, we can all choose love, it'll lift you up, if you let